My name is Katie, and I'm one of the pastors here. And you are here for a special day. This is our five for five. How many of you have been here for a five for five before? All right. So for those who don't know, this is like an awesome experience for those of us who struggle to pay attention for a long period of time. Anybody, anybody in the room? That would be me. That's why I take notes a lot. It helps me pay attention. But we have five different speakers, and they're going to give you their best five minutes. Their best five minutes. They have been praying. They have been going to God's Word, and they're like, this is what I want to speak on today. And there's five different people, and some of them have never spoken in front of a crowd before. What? So that means that you all have to give them some encouragement because I don't know about you, but I know it can be a little nerve-wracking up here. And so I want you all to say, if they say something good, everybody say amen. Amen. Say, that's good. That's good. Say that again. All right. All right. Y'all are good. Okay. I love everybody's awake. I love it. So that's what we're going to do for them because we want to give them some encouragement. Um, some of them, it's their first time, like I said. Some of them you've heard from before, but it's going to be an awesome day. So we're kicking it off with somebody who he actually has spoken several times for our students and at men's breakfast. So the men have heard from him and the students have heard from him, but we have yet to hear from him. He is, he has been a part of our church. I would say maybe four years, four, five, four, four. Okay. Um, he was fresh out of high school and him and his now wife, Skylar, got uh, committed their life here. He got baptized here. They have two babies. And uh, one of them is about to turn two, Eleanor. And then Leon is six months, I think. I mean, pray for them. Two years old and six months old. But they're doing awesome. He is a great part of our lives here at Hope City Church. So I'm excited for you to hear from him. Could you all just give it up for Matthew Garrett? course about uh, daily routines. So like morning routines and what your routine uh, looks like. Uh, this is something I'm passionate about. It's not necessarily something that I'm great at. How many people are thankful that you can be passionate about stuff? You might not be the best at. You're still passionate about it. Anyways, uh, I want to talk about routines today and how your daily routine kind of mates together with your daily life. Um, so I'll start by sharing my routine. So most days, keyword most, um, I get up, I'm usually, you know, barely awake, my alarm goes off early, and I'm, you know, making my way upstairs to the kitchen, trying to find a cabinet, and just, I'm, I'm tired in the mornings. I start every day usually with a bowl of oatmeal. I use the little pre-made kind, the little Quaker pre-made kind with the, the maple sugar, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. It goes in the bowl, you zap it for a minute, and it's ready to go. That's my favorite, I usually start every day that way. And I make my oatmeal, pour the water in, I get myself something to drink. And I get started, I sit down at the breakfast table, and I enjoy my breakfast. I open up my Bible app, and that's how I start my day. Um, and now let me tell you where it gets interesting. So what I failed to mention is that my breakfast table uh, at the beginning of the day is also my dinner table at night where my two-year-old also eats dinner. <laughs> so my family eats dinner at the same table I eat breakfast with every morning. And, um, and that usually means that there's probably chunks of rice, like, flying across the room, maybe a kernel of corn, pieces of turkey, that kind of thing. So we're, we're having food fights on the regular. Um, 
so my breakfast table is a lot different than my dinner table, even though it's the same table. So here's my point. At the, at the 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. looks a lot different. But the reason why it's so special is because 6 p.m. is when I'm having dinner with my family and 6 a.m. is when I'm going to meet Jesus in the morning. Um, and it's completely different. Um, and I want to say that because a lot of people think, oh, it's my morning routine. I got to go meet with Jesus this morning and have my morning prayer talk. But I don't want you to feel like your morning routine has to be like a daily revival in your living room. Like it has to be some kind of explosive spiritual moment. Sometimes sitting down at the breakfast table at six o'clock in the morning feels a lot like sitting down at the breakfast table at six o'clock in the morning. It feels like I just need my oatmeal this morning. I just need to sit down and I just need to get started. Um, and I just found that the most important part about the whole thing is being at the breakfast table, just showing up this morning. Um, and I, I found a scripture that I think uh, talks about this so well, and it's not directly talking about morning prayer time or spiritual routines or spiritual disciplines, but it's talking about the language that we use when we talk about God and how we talk about God with other people. And I thought this language does a lot of good to describe you know, sometimes how easy it can be to talk to God. And it's from 1 Corinthians. It's the message translation. I just love the way the message says this. So it says this, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. It says this, You'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you to let you in on God's sheer genius, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First Jesus and who he is, then Jesus and what he did, and then Jesus crucified. I was unsure of how to go about this and felt totally inadequate. I was scared to death, if you want to know the truth. And so nothing I said could have impressed you or anyone else. But the message came through anyway. God's spirit and God's power did it, which made it clear that your life of faith is a response to God's power, not to some fancy mental or emotional footwork by me or anyone else. So I'm just thinking about this and how it relates to my morning prayer time, and it really applies. Because the most important thing is not the, the words that you're saying or the philosophy that you're using. Just show up to the table. So just show up to the table, and I want to challenge you to find a place in your home and a time in your home where you can focus just on that time with Jesus. Um, and I want to tell you this, too, that God is not mad at you for hitting the snooze button, okay? I hit the snooze button, okay? And let me tell you this, too. There's nothing holy about 6 a.m. Find a time that works for you. I choose 6 a.m. because it's the time when my house is the quietest, and I know I'm probably not going to sign up for anything else at 6 a.m. So 6 a.m. is my time. It might be 5 a.m. for you. It might be 8 p.m. for you. Find a time that works for you, and just know that that you'll never truly want to get up and spend time with Jesus if you feel like you have to. So don't feel like you're pressured to do it because you want to. Thank you. That was so awesome. I love that because sometimes it can feel the pressure to have some perfect routine or perfect situation or feeling like the pressure to say the right thing in prayer, just showing up. 
You know, and Paul's words in there was so beautiful that it's like, it is not on me to have an impressive moment or impressive time with God. It is just me sitting down with him, speaking to him. It's awesome. It's beautiful. Thank you, Matthew. It's so cool. So awesome. We have another speaker for you. And this is somebody who, um, she actually spoke, spoke at our Women's Worship Weekend this year, this past year. And I think at least 10 of you have been like, when are we going to hear from her again? When do we get to hear from her again? Because she was an incredible speaker that we had our Saturday morning of our Women's Worship Weekend. And so I'm excited that the guys get to hear from her today because the women have gotten to and they loved her and they've been wanting her back. So here we go. Give it up for Melissa Scott. This is a very special week in our faith. This is Palm Sunday. It's Holy Week. And we can pluck out any of these stories that are represented this week in the Bible and pull some inspiration or motivation from it. But with limited time this morning, I want to talk about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. I believe that this is a very significant story uh, that kind of highlights the nature, the divine nature of Jesus, but also the human nature of Jesus. So I'm going to read from you or for you, uh, Matthew 26, 36 through 42. It says, then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and he bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found one of them sleeping. He said, uh, Peter, could you not? watch with me for one hour. He says, keep watch and pray so that you will not be given into temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Can I get an amen? Uh, then Jesus left them a second time and prayed. And he said, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away, unless I drink it, your will be done. So I want you to kind of tap into your uh, imagination this morning with this story and consider that God was on earth in human form. And so he had all the human things that we have. Imagine like the emotions that he felt in this big week that we have coming up for Easter. Imagine what he might have thought and how he might have felt. I think sometimes we can be tempted to believe that like this all powerful Father and the Holy Spirit was moving inside of him, kind of drive him, driving him through all this pain and suffering into the cross. And to some degree, that might be true. I mean, it's true for us. The Holy Spirit helps us through things. But I don't think that's what the Bible is describing here. Um, I think if we're not careful, we can dismiss the humanity of Jesus, which can take away from the power of the miracles that he performed on earth. And so uh, we... we um, while we're imagining this, this story with Jesus, uh, I don't think that we can pretend to know like all the inner workings of Jesus and his relationship with the Father. But being human, we get that. Like That's something we can all relate to. So with our limited human perspective, let's, let's look at this. So we see a lot of humanity in the story of Jesus in the garden. The scripture says that Jesus falls with his face to the ground. Just imagine yourself even in that posture with your face to the ground. 
Um, I believe he was probably overwhelmed with fear and emotion, knowing what he was getting ready to face. I can imagine like that cry where his body is shaking, you know, like when you cry like that. And um, I can see a red face and salty tears rolling down his face and big drops of sweat falling to the ground that resembles drops of blood. As the Bible says in Luke 22, imagine like the uncontrollable snot that comes out of your nose when you cry like that. We could, there's never a tissue handy. You're like, never have it. Or maybe allergy season, you can relate to that. Um, but just imagine this moment, like crying so hard, the stress that he feels, swollen eyes, um, the pain in his chest. You know, when you cry out to God, when you're hurt and you can actually like your heart hurts, you feel it in your chest. Imagine this with God. Um, and I realize that this may seem a little extreme and kind of dramatic, this description that I'm talking about, but uh, the Bible says in Jesus's words, I am in agony and grief to the point of death. That is some pretty strong emotion. I think this moment is also very relatable. Can you relate to this moment? Can you remember a time in your life when you were that desperate? Have you ever been so broken by betrayal or maybe desperate in a moment uh, of circumstances are out of your control or maybe you're just angry at an injustice that happened to someone you love um, and the only thing you can think of to do is cry out to God and pray? Uh, I believe we've all had moments like these. And like Jesus, some of our most significant and life-changing moments that encourage our faith and grow our faith are preceded with experiences like this. Um, I think life inevitably will give us these face, fall on your face, Gethsemane moments uh, because the cup doesn't pass. I understand that that might not be very comforting this morning because we love these moments where we cry out to God to heal and he heals. Or we ask him to fix a situation and it's fixed. We celebrate these moments and they're worthy to be celebrated. But I believe that if we can just embrace the desperation and the uncomfortable and the fearful and the gut-wrenching moments, there is hope to be found in the words, your will be done. Jesus knew that his purpose on earth was to save humanity. He knew that he did, if he didn't do it, no one else could. So he did all of that in his human body with his human emotions. Uh, and I believe this is motivating. I think that Jesus had a big picture in mind and that was his motivation for saying your will be done. So if we can zoom out and trust that God has a big picture plan for what we are experiencing when the pain is hard and the emotions are strong, we won't allow our agony to control our outcome. We can take hold of how we react in the pain and like Jesus, in these dark places and moments of intensity, turning to God and trusting that he has purpose in what we are experiencing. Saying, God, your will be done will help us face the hard situations. And then the second point that I want to uh, point out to you, like what I get from this story of Jesus in the garden is Jesus gets it. Like he understands our suffering that we, we live in every day. He experienced it in human form. And with that, God gets it. I think God gives us grace because he gets it. Uh, grace to find uh, peace in all this turmoil or accept situations that are out of our control or forgive when we have trouble forgiving or we have bitterness. Grace for strength 
in the very hard things of life. And if we embrace this grace when we are struggling, it can grow our intimacy with God and also grow our faith. So I pray that uh, knowing this will give you comfort and give you strength inside uh, when you are handed a cup that you, that's not passing, that you don't think you can handle. And when it's hard, grace will be that strength for you. because it was so good. Our agony will not determine our outcome. I don't know about you, but the times when I've been on my face crying out to God, whether it's been a situation where I've lost someone that I loved or some injustice, like she said, that happened. And I'm like, God, take this pain away. He comforts me in a way that you never felt comfort before. And so just seeing that Jesus went through that and God's grace gets us through that is beautiful as we head into Holy Week. Just an awesome message. Thank you so much, Melissa, for that as we have some encouragement to know that Jesus also face some really, really tough things and that we can uh, cry out to him in those moments and feel his presence um, even more so. So I'm excited for this next speaker. I'm not supposed to have favorites for the day, but this one may be my favorites because he is one of our students here. He is one of our students. He loves Jesus, and he loves God's Word so much. That's what he wanted for Christmas this year. His mom came to in, and she was like, Peyton just wants a Bible for Christmas. I was like, shut up. That's amazing. He is um, a part of this church family. I've been around for a couple of years now. And his mom, Amanda, you've seen her around doing all the things. And Alex, there's just an awesome family. So will you all just give it up for Peyton Mount? And uh, I've been attending Hope City Church for about four years now. Um, and today I wanted to share a message with you about the fruit of the Spirit and more specifically um, self-control and patience. Um, and I chose these things because I know that people like myself struggle with them daily. I've learned that both of these things go hand in hand. So basically you can't have one without the other. And if you're anything like me, you know how hard it is to, <clears throat> sorry, you, you know how hard it is to have self-control and patience when you're put to the test in tough situations. You can't take, you can take this from, you can take this from me and my dad because we were always getting at each other and bumping heads over the silliest things. We always ended up finding a way to argue together and the whole time we were only focused on trying to win that argument for ourselves. Call it being a teenager or a guy thing, but either way, it got old really quick. We used to find ourselves saying things that in the end managed to hurt one another. And we didn't mean them, of course, but we quickly learned that two escalated people cannot de-escalate a situation. And, but that's not what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> We would continuously fall back into the same patterns and routines when frustrated at each other, no matter how bad we wanted to change. But this is because we are trying to do it on our own, and that's not how we're supposed to live. Proverbs 18.21 reads, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. This hits me right in the gut, guys, because 
The words I speak can either breathe life or death. And every time I say something I don't mean, I instantly regret it. I tell myself to not let it happen again, but it isn't all up to me to do alone. Through prayer and my time with God, I am consistently reminded that he is with me and by my side through it all. If we want to gain control over our emotions and have patience, we have to start by planting a seed and watering it daily. This requires putting in effort and helping them grow each and every day to become bigger and grow our roots deeper into the Lord. John 15:5 says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. This is where I'm striving to be every single day. Growing my branches in patience and self-control, producing the best fruit I possibly can. Thank you. That's so awesome. So awesome that the Holy Spirit gives us the fruit of the Spirit. And those of us like Peyton and everyone could use some self-control and patience. And it's not up to us to figure it out. It's up to us to be attached to the vine. What a beautiful, beautiful picture of what it looks like to be rooted in Jesus. And the fruit of those come out of you. of patience, self-control, and all the others. So awesome job, Peyton. Thank you so much. I don't know where you went. Awesome. Amazing. So we are moving on to our fourth speaker, and it's someone that uh, you all heard from a few months ago, and she also uh, is our Celebrate Recovery leader, and she gets to speak every Tuesday night, so every once in a while we want to pull her up here so we get to hear from her as well. Will you all please uh, welcome my good friend, Jesse Stuck. kind of hard to follow Peyton, but I'll I'll do my best. So today I want to talk about our will versus God's will. And Melissa and I, we didn't plan this, but I also want to go to Matthew 26. It is here that Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He is praying with the disciples right before his arrest and then his crucifixion. He tells the disciples, he says, sit here while I go over here to pray. In verse 38, it says, he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. I mean, think about that. Jesus is in so much emotional pain that he says, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Have you ever felt like that? Like you're just in so much pain, all you wanted to do is stop. You want to run away from it. Or maybe you even feel like death would be relief to the pain that you feel. In verse 39, it says, he went on a little further, and he bowed his face to the ground. He said, my father, God, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. See, Jesus knows the pain that he is about to endure, and he's distraught over it. He doesn't want to have to go through it. He's like, God, if there's any way, If we can just skip the pain part, if I don't have to go through with it. But see, then Jesus knows that he has to die, and he's still able to say, but your will be done. He's willing to face the pain in order to fulfill God's plan and purpose. Down in verse 42, it says, Then Jesus left them a second time to pray. My Father God, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. 
it's here that Jesus is praying and waiting on God, hoping God will say, okay, son, you don't have to go through with this. But in verse 44, it says, so he went away to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Three different times, Jesus is praying and waiting on God to respond, and he knows what has to happen. He knows the pain that he is about to endure. And like Jesus, we are just praying and waiting on God. We're waiting on healing. We're waiting on relief, waiting for rest, waiting for freedom, waiting for a spouse, waiting on perspective or clarity, wisdom, waiting on direction, just waiting for our circumstances to change, waiting on our prayers to be answered. And we're all saying, God, where are you? I can't hear you. God, if we can just remove this pain, if we can just skip the pain part. But see, growth and comfort, these things cannot coexist. And we are stubborn and hard-headed and full of willpower and determination. We don't like to wait, and we don't want to feel pain. We think, surely we can remove this cup of suffering on our own. We're over here trying to heal ourselves trying to numb the pain, pretending it doesn't exist, trying to keep busy, running away from it, all while God is waiting for us, waiting for us to surrender and to submit. And deep down, we know what has to happen. We have to let go of our need to control. And like Jesus, we want to skip the pain. We want to go straight to the healing, straight to the miracle, But God is saying, just surrender. These things that you hold on to, they have to go because I'm going to take you to a new place, a place you've never been before, and it is in my plan and my purpose, not yours. If God had a purpose for Jesus, his one and only son, to endure the most excruciating and unimaginable pain in history, I'm sure he certainly has a purpose for our pain as well. I mean, think about what happened when Jesus was able to totally surrender. Yes, he was crucified. But after Jesus' crucifixion came resurrection, after death comes life. If we look at 1 Peter 5.10, it says, In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory By means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. But first, we must surrender. Let go of our will, our plan. We have to face the pain in order to get to the healing. So what do we do? We pray and we wait. And we trust God to remove our suffering and to place us on a firm foundation of restoration and healing. Psalms 27, 14 says, Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. See, waiting patiently for God is not just about waiting on our prayers to get answered. It's an invitation to know God more. It's an opportunity for him to change our hearts and to teach us his will. It says, be brave and courageous. See, it takes bravery to surrender 
It takes courage to wait and courage to trust God and his plan for our life. So we just wait patiently for the Lord. We're brave and courageous. Yes, we just wait patiently for the Lord. Thank you all. Prayed again, and they prayed again. And so I don't know what your cup is that you're bearing, or you're wanting God to take away today, but sit and trust and be brave and courageous and know that God has a plan and get to a place where you can say, His will be done, not mine. So what a beautiful, beautiful testimony of what God is doing and um, how God can just relate to where we are in our life. And so I, I love that they didn't even plan that, but it's the same story, but just a reminder of what Jesus is. And so Matthew started us off with talking about being with Jesus. And then um, Melissa talked about how we have these moments where we want to be like Jesus, but we have a hard time waiting. And then Jesse wraps it up with waiting and we have patience and self-control. And it's like all these things are kind of coming together to a place where we can just say, we want to be with Jesus. We want to grow in our fruit of the spirit. And then we get to a place where if we're falling on our face. If we're in a moment of anguish, we can cry out to God, right? So now we have one more speaker, our last speaker of the day. I'm kind of sad it's wrapping up and over, but um, this is a great one. He spoke for us a couple of months ago. His family have has been at Hope City Church for a while now, and we love having them, and they are a huge part of what we're doing here. The Monahans have, um, some of them have been around for, you know, over decades, <laughs> but uh, Matt and Stacy and Caleb and Cameron have been an awesome part of our church family. So why don't y'all give it up for Matt Monahan? Hey, who, uh, who, who touched me? Isn't nobody going to, like, own that? It's kind of weird, Jesus. Um, everybody's touching you. Like, you're walking along, and people are brushing up next to you. We've got places to go. It's kind of stupid that you stopped and said, who touched me? I mean, come on. He said, no, no, I, uh, no, I felt somebody touch me on purpose. And, uh, and not only that, they touched me on purpose, and I felt like, like something happened. So I'm going to need to know who did that. Well, Jesus, we got places to go. Um, I don't know if you remember this or not, but there's a 12-year-old girl that's dying. And we're on our way to hopefully save her. I'm assuming we're going to save her. I mean, you're Jesus. So I'm assuming we're going to, to, to do something fantastic there. So maybe you should stop worrying so much about who's touching you and who's not touching you. And let's just get to where we're going. And Jesus says, I'm going to need to know who that was. And according to Luke chapter 8, the woman who had touched him was scared out of her mind to say that she touched him. And the reason she's scared is because she had been battling what was called an issue of blood for about 12 years, and she wasn't supposed to be touching anybody because she was unclean. And so she wasn't even supposed to be in the crowd, but yet she pushed her way through the crowd because she spent all her money on doctors, and the doctors didn't work. 
and she just went up there and touched him, and he's just like, I need to know who touched me. And she's like, I am busted. I am caught. I am in trouble. And she raised her hand, and she told her story. And he looked at her, and he said, daughter, you know, she hadn't been called anything but unclean for 12 years. And he called her daughter. Your faith has made you whole, and you have been set free. It's a pretty good day, right? And then the disciples come back and said, well, Jesus, you blew it. The kid's dead. And Jesus said, uh, I'm Jesus. <laughs> I'll take care of that one too. How are we so busy all the time? We're always just going, going, going. It's Holy Week, and, uh, and, and we're going to be going, going, going all week, aren't we? You know, I looked at my church schedule for this week. It's pretty packed. And that's exciting. That's, that's really cool things. And I, I don't know if you got one of these things. Anybody got one of these things? You know what this is, right? This is your boss. It tells you where to go, what to do, and it notifies you, and it alerts you, and it alarms you. And it tells you all the reasons why you've got to keep going, 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 going. In the meantime, there's somebody pressing in close and trying to touch you. And, um, and I've learned a lot today listening to people talk about God's will versus their will. And what I've found out is that our will really kind of stinks. God's will is pretty awesome. And God's will is settled, seldom according to our time frame. I've been wrestling with this particular passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 8 for the past six months. I can't, I can't move on. I just keep reading it over and over and over again because what I've figured out is that all the things that I have planned and all the things that I try to do, they don't usually work out that great. But sometimes, sometimes when I just stop, I find out that there's somebody that's been trying to touch me. And if I take a minute to get to know that person, I'll get to know that situation, then I'll find out that God has an amazing plan that might not involve me getting to that girl before she dies. But the person that's there, that's been unclean for 12 years, that needs to hear the words, daughter, your faith has made you whole, that's somebody worth stopping for. And that's all that I, uh, that's all that I got. I wanted to challenge you this week. You're going to be real busy. You're going to be doing lots of stuff. Busy, busy, busy. We just had spring break where everybody took a break, and we're busy, 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 busy. <laughs> and now you're going to be busy, busy, busy all this week, and I just want to challenge you. Look, people are going to cross your path, and you need to just stop. You need to just stop and, and, and see what they need, see what they want, see how you can help them. I can promise you that wherever you're going is not as important as who God put in your path. And uh, if we want to be like Jesus, then we'll stop. Thanks.
That's so good because we can get so busy and forget to look to see like God is sending someone our way that needs us, someone out there that needs us. And so if we spend time with him in the, in the morning or in the evening, like Matthew said, it doesn't matter what time, but say, God, give me the grace today to be patient, to wait on you, but not to walk past someone that needs you. See, we're the hands and feet of Jesus. We have Jesus living inside of us, and he has changed our lives, and we want to bring people along with us, but we have to slow down long enough to recognize that. Yeah, we have someone we want to go. We have a purpose. We have something that God has for us, but we have to take time to notice the people around us that also need him. We're heading into Holy Week, and Holy Week is just a time to reflect and remember what Jesus went through. Today is when he is entering into Jerusalem, and then he's going to be arrested. And then on Friday is Good Friday, the day that the whole world stopped. The day that he was crucified for us. But that wasn't the end, because eventually we get to Easter to celebrate the resurrection. So I don't know what you're walking through right now, but I do know that Jesus can totally relate to what you're feeling. Jesus is right there in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your suffering, in the middle of all that. Maybe you could relate to the woman who's unclean, who needs someone to call her daughter, who needs someone to stop. Or maybe Jesus is trying to use you to bring someone to him. Whatever that looks like, know that he loves you and he will give you the grace to get through the day. And when you're walking around with your cup that you're bearing or the thing that you're facing and you're falling on your face and you're crying out to Jesus and you're uh, needing something to pass or wanting it to pass, just remember that Jesus is right there in the middle of your pain and he, if you zoom out, like Melissa said, zoom out and see his will and it's better than you could ever imagine. Whatever he has for you, whatever you are facing, God is right there in the middle of it. And maybe your day feels like suffering and pain, but you need the reminder that three days later he rose from the dead and he defeated death. And as we celebrate Easter, we remember that what once was dead is now brought back to life. And he can bring your marriage back to life. He can bring you back to life. He can bring all of that back to life. But don't miss the moments where you're falling on your face and you're letting God hold you close. So I'm going to pray for us, and our team's going to come forward. We're going to sing some song together, some songs. And we have a moment of communion. There'll be tables in the back and one down here in the front. And you'll have an opportunity to remember what Jesus did for us. See, if nothing else, remember how much he loved you, how much he loves the worst version of us, that he died on the cross. And so the bread represents his body that is broken, and the juice represents his blood. And so... For those of us who are committed to Jesus can make your way to those tables as we sing some songs together. And then we have a prayer team that would love to pray with you, to come alongside you, to pray over whatever it is that you're facing. Maybe you want to pray that God sends someone your way that you can stop and you can bring them to uh, him. Or maybe there's something that you're wanting to let go of, but you're believing that God's will be done. Maybe you need someone to just join you in that. So I'm going to pray for us and then we'll head into that moment. God, we thank you so much that you've given us these speakers to come today to speak your word, God, the things that they are learning, Lord. God, help us to remember that we don't have to be impressive. 
We don't have to have the right words or the right Bible study or the right anything. God, just come to your table and to sit with you in your presence and just receive your grace. Receive your grace to face the things that we're facing today, the things that we're going to face tomorrow, because in this world there will be troubles. But we can take heart because you have overcome the world. God, help us not to be too busy to come to you. Help us not to be too busy to not notice the people in our life that need you. God, help us to remember you this week as we head into um, Good Friday to be able to, to just read your story of the things that you faced here on earth for us so that we could live, so that we can have resurrection too, Lord. God, I thank you for your love for each and every one of us, God, that is shown through your son, Jesus Christ. God, we love you and we praise you. In your holy name we pray. Amen.